Welcome to the Three Lefts Make Right podcast. We're Danny and Kevin, aka the Van Tukes. This podcast is all about rolling with the unexpected turns in life and sharing lessons from the road less traveled. This is a place where we share conversations with open minds traveling the open road. We hope these conversations inspire your inner gypsy and get you to adventure before dementia. The best time is now to start living your dream life. Welcome to today's podcast, kooks. Today I sit down with John LeConte, good friend and journalist at The Vale Daily, to discuss the weird story on how I got to know Boston George and call him a friend. We had a great time on this interview, shared a bunch of stories from George's life, and if you haven't heard by now, George had passed away on May 5th at the age of 78 and we just want to send out condolences to George and his family and he was a great human being and I enjoyed spending every moment with him but without any more let's get into the podcast I hope you guys enjoy it and before we get on if you enjoy this content if you could leave us a uh, review and like the podcast and share it that would be awesome guys so Appreciate it, and let's get into the conversation. I think this is going to be, to give your viewers a sneak preview, I think this is going to be a good episode because Kevin and I are actually like pretty good friends, and so um, it's going to be kind of hard to get through it, I think, without chuckling a little bit. Even just looking at Kevin right now, I kind of want to laugh <laughs> a little bit. But, um, the, but the, um, the, this, what you guys, what you're, viewers I think don't know about Kevin is that this side, this whole side of Kevin, this video has done some big projects. And um, the, the, uh, the way that you've done it out of the van, you know, and it, so even some projects here, some of the stuff you've worked on here in Vail at the GoPro mountain games and stuff. Doing the whole thing out of the van has been uh, fun to watch you kind of take that on in your professional career, too. And I think a lot of the people in the van world don't know that you're that you are talented in the video world. So maybe this is an exciting episode also that people get to know Kevin a little better than maybe they had known you a bit. So, yeah, tell you should tell your viewers about the merch of your van life with your professional life as a videographer. Kevin's done some big time, good stuff. Great, some really good work. So Kevin, tell the viewers how you've merged these two facets of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's been tricky because there's so much equipment and I guess we can dive into the Boston George stuff right off the bat. Like we were traveling in the van, it was, not quite a hundred percent built. It was kind of in the very early days. And we were in San Diego and a good friend of both of ours, Benton had reached out and said, Hey dude, I'm working on this project with Boston George. And he's actually in San Diego right now and they're gonna need some help. And it was crazy. The producers called me that night and said, Hey man, we got George, he's in the hospital we need uh, a videographer basically to come and 
shoot this scene of him being in the hospital. He had a heart attack and he had to get a pacemaker put in. And so I luckily just being in the van, being in the area, I don't think I would have been able to work on the project. I mean, it was all because I was in the van. I really think I went, I shot it. I just really connected with the crew. They liked me and they liked the fact that I was in the van and mobile and George lived in San Diego. (laughs) They liked the fact you were in the van. Yeah. And then they didn't have to buy a hotel and all this other stuff. So like I had a lot of leverage and that's kind of how the project began because I did have other instances where I would meet George in San Diego. And a few times I brought him into the van to pick up sound clips and and like it was funny we had like a little mobile studio uh interviewing george basically in the swivel seat in the van and a a really cool thing is that entire project basically funded the van build so working on the product turned the van into a way nicer van than we ever thought it would be because we were getting paid pretty well and i could just build the van kind of what I wanted it to be. Before that, I was curious if I'd ever even finish the project, but that this project really jump-started the van. And then while I was doing that, I was like, well, I need to have storage for my equipment, bigger solar panels to charge my camera batteries. And then there were times on the project where I'd be carrying these gigantic Pelican cases in the van, like three or four of them, and there was like no room for us to even be in there. So it's it was great. And like the van really has opened up a lot of opportunities to work on projects like like the GoPro Mountain Games, for example. I can just pick up and leave and drive out there and shoot that stuff. And I think it's awesome to be mobile. And it's just been a trip doing this work out of the van. And I don't really tell the viewers about it too much because... I don't like to mix business with pleasure. You don't you don't like to tell them about your great GoPro Mountain Games footage of drinking a beer out of a shoe. <laughs> I, I wish I had that clip. That was a good one. Yeah. Well, okay, that's interesting. I, I didn't really realize. Uh, so, I'll I as far as I know, you guys worked on this summer of 2017 to summer of 2019 correct? Yes. Yeah. And when you, and you came in, in that September when Benton couldn't do the shot and George had the shoot and George had the, the heart attack. So George is already at this point, are they kind of realizing that when you come into the project, are they kind of realizing that it's this guy, George is going is uh, a little bit of a, a wild card you know, it's this project isn't going to be quite what they were expecting. Oh man, George was a wild card from day one. When I met him, we shot the scene in the hospital. He gets out, he's got his pacemaker. He instantly lights a cigarette, chain (laughs) smoke, chain smokes a few. And I was sitting there just being like, Oh my gosh, this guy just, got a pacemaker put in, almost died, and he's already hitting the cigarettes, and he probably would have hit some scotch if he wasn't on probation. And, yeah, he was a wild card from day one, and we had a lot of 
trouble sometimes with him because once he was off probation and he could drink, it became this thing where we were like, we got to film George early before he hits any booze because he would hit it at any chance he got. And it was kind of sad to see him go down that path, but it was, he was a wild card. Like we would go to his house in San Diego and it would be like, okay, guys, we got to go. It's nine. George is going to hit that scotch soon. So let's, let's get what we can. And there'd be days where we would not be able to shoot because he would be a little too sauced up. And the footage would just be, you know, you could just tell when someone's had too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. I, okay. So I, that, I was going to mention that, like, they, they don't really, they haven't said exactly how he died, but it's lit. You know, they said he was having liver failure and that's like this story of him, you know, he's, from the moment he gets out, I mean, I know even the pro times on probation, I remember you guys talking about this cat and mouse game with him trying to sneak. He, he'd be pulling little, little bottles out of like his jacket and stuff. Um, so yeah. So, you know, he gets, he gets out of prison. Like I, I know that he starts drinking the, the hard liquor, pretty much immediately even with the probation stuff it was it was tough with him and and um you guys get the news of the liver failure and stuff and it it's like this story of you're you're out there working on this documentary that is this um a lot of what you're shooting correct me if i'm wrong is you know you, you have producers trying to sort of highlight the good side of of george being free and um you know this the sort of the the triumph of the freed outlaw right you know yeah. that persona yeah and it it was kind of unfortunate because the producers the whole time really thought that this was going to be a uh, redemption story and they tried their hardest to get George kind of more on the path of, you know, off, lay off the booze. Like you can teach people a lot. Like he could be a great public speaker. He's, he was great with people. And I think he had a lot to teach and lessons to be told. And that was kind of the plan. And even one of the DEA agents thought that that would be a great, route for George to go is kind of more on the education end of like how crime and drugs can actually destroy your life and your family and all that. But that, you know, that was a dream and it never really came to fruition. And like, it, I mean, and he just, he just couldn't stop self-destructing, but he was a, always a good time super nice guy and i don't know he was a ladies man too dude everywhere we went it would just be surrounded by the women and even danny knew him and he loved danny he'd be always so nice to her and he was just a 
all around classy guy and i think he gets a bad rap but he was actually like a real gentleman and he was had his way with words and it was just crazy to be around such a living legend you know and i think for a while we didn't really at first i didn't really know who he was but after a while we'd go everywhere with him and they would he'd be signing autographs taking pictures and he had his way with people and he was just always in pretty good spirits for how his life had kind of panned out. So it was just, I don't know, it was always just a trip being around him. He has just a, he was a funny guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I kind of wanted to maybe talk about, his general story a bit because like i know even talking to you guys i i did you actually now that i think about it you talking to you and our buddy uh, that was working with you on the project about it kind of helped clue me into the um general that uh, that what i was catching of these that that part of um these guys like George Young being being in the zeitgeist as the regular Joes who crossed through the 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 smoke circle to make it to the upper echelons of Pablo Escobar's you know drug cartel like what what I caught I believe was kind of the end of that being in the in, in the in the moment in the cultural consciousness you know where it was a he was the stuff of lore in smoke circles, maybe of the, the one guy who had maybe read, read the, you know, the, the book about him or caught, or caught the, the Newsweek piece or whatever. And, and um, I, the other association is there's because there, there was a, another really high profile story at that time of a pilot named Barry seal, regular duder, regular Joe who learned how to fly little planes and he's from Arkansas. And um, this guy became in with the Medellin cartel and, um, you know, got caught up with the government and turned snitch and was assassinated. A real kind of high profile story. And George Young was the other, the, the, the other guy in the Medellin cartel, you know. I, I mean, I'm probably reducing it to these two stories, but these were kind of the two of the big ones in the cultural consciousness at the time and and um that that like I, I feel like that is why what you saw was you know surprising to you guys i think that you would go these places and you know again correct me if i'm wrong but talking to you at the time it was like you'd go to these places and george would be attacked by people who like worshiped this guy you know and that's why I, I believe it's the, the romanticized story of the regular Joe, you know, guy doing, doing, you know, as Barack Obama would say, marijuana and maybe a little blow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to making it, to, to crossing somehow out of that into this huge, underworld that you know created basically by the war on drugs you know with him being just kind of the one of the big casualties of it but that we still 
embrace that that you know that kind of the counter cap the capitalist undertones with the kind of the counterculture uh, of you know being on the wrong side of the law but still having climbing the ladder of success and all that and that's why you guys encountered all that intense love of George and one of the questions I had for you was just for you to talk about he was he was always getting like hit up by so so now okay so so now Kevin is legit a legit photog um you you in a sense have hit him up to say we're gonna we're gonna film you now and you know we're gonna make this documentary about and in doing that you find all other kind of people kinds of people who are hitting him up for all kinds of other things when you go out on these shoots with them talk about some of the like he'd be the weed shops and they'd be sucking him into the back room and just all of that kind of love for George that you'd see at some of these weird events and stuff, if you have any memories of that. Yeah, so I mean, first, uh, big props to the producers on this film. I mean, they had to probably deal with so many people uh, taking George's name, using the Boston George name for crazy stuff. Boston George weed pins, Boston George, uh, marijuana strange there was a boston george rapper and they owned the life rights and they ha had a crit i'm sure they're still dealing with it and even like george's daughter was selling boston george merchandise um there's a lot of people out there using his name and he's not he wasn't making any money from it and the producers really wanted to get george more um just get him some money for his clout and his just what he does. Cause the documentary, the original title was uh, famous without the fortune. And it was crazy to be around this guy who was constantly under bombardment of, Hey, endorse our marijuana product or Hey, endorse our clothing company, or I'm a rapper and I use your name. Let be on my music video. And he wasn't making any money from any of this. And he was just just at a victim to people stealing his intellectual property in a sense. And I, I don't ever know what exactly happened that. I know the producers worked really hard to try to make it work out for him. But yeah, he was, uh, he would go to these marijuana conventions and his table would just be a madhouse. People would be getting autographs. Eventually, like they were like, dude, you need to start charging people for stuff. And they helped him along the way make a little bit of profit. But he was, I couldn't believe how much of a spokesperson he was in the marijuana industry. And a lot of people don't know this, but George was actually a van lifer. I mean, his original start was moving marijuana from california back to east coast colleges and rvs with tuna so they were they were <laughs> oh, they were the original van lifers they would pack the rvs full of weed and move them across and i thought that was funny and i told him like hey dude i live in my van and he thought it was awesome and he came in the van one day and, I, and we were like what do you think george and he looks around and he goes it's pretty psychedelic, baby. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, unfortunately for George, he did have a lot of people. I he didn't have much legal help, and a lot of people did just use his name and take his fame. And famous without the fortune is a great name for the project. I see. I see a few allegories to you know the van life culture and and George's life in general. You know, he was uh, here. He was. The original van lifers you know sorry to to break it to you uh weekend warrior van lifers who are doing that business gig <laughs> who are got your cpa job on your nine to five because the original van lifers were drug runners and uh that's that's boston george is the, the proof of that and um yeah and then his his name would become you know synonymous with just an entire uh, sales culture bit, bit, <laughs> based around that. So much like van life. Uh, not, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, not to, not to actually, you know, van life, um, it, in some ways it's, you know, kind of like the, the purest thing you can do for, for yourself in this, Day and age but it might be sad reality is is it might be where where we're all we're all gonna one day either <laughs> i've said this to them before we're all either one day gonna be van lifers or living in these big gigantic mansions <laughs> oh. so all right so then kevin now i want you to tell the story about the time that you had to all right so Remember, you had to drive the limo the in Florida one time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So um, I think it was George's birthday party or something had happened. The producers, I mean, they would always go all out for George, and they would really help him have a great time on these projects. And one of the uh, things we did while in Florida – we spoke with a lot of the DEA agents that originally arrested George. And then we had this like, <laughs> and then we had this party and they like rented a limo and George is, in, George is in the limo and the limo driver just like stops, tells us he's got a diarrhea or something, runs inside, leaves the limo like unattended. And all these truck drivers are just piling up on the exit. So I got in, drove the limo, you know, moved it around, and it was it was funny. They all thought the limo driver had actually left me, but then I rolled down the little partition, and I was like, "What's up, what's up, guys? Like, where are we going?" And George was just like, "I mean, he always enjoyed our company. He thought we were." You know, we would, me and Benton would be surfing before these takes in San Diego, and he just thought it. We were really living it up, and he was a huge fan of On the Road and Jack Kerouac, and he really liked how we were kind of just, you know, living our lives, kind of how, you know, Jack Kerouac did. So we really connected in that sense. But yeah, the limo story was funny. And then the limo driver rolls up and he can't find the limo. And we're watching him and we're like, Let, let's just wait till he finds us. But George got a trip. I got a hilarious photo from that 
thing. And yeah, it, we always had good time. That was with that crew. It was a fun crew and there was never a shortage of uh, laughs and smiles. And I miss working with them. Um, I think, I think actually my favorite story from the whole thing is when you guys, when they have, when they're, cause, okay. So here's why this, this is another reason why I was interested in the project is because the suspense of just where are you going to go with this story about this guy? You know, it's, this is a tough one. He, you're not going to, I personally never thought you were going to get much of a redemption story there. He's his, it's a, he's, a, he's been a victim of the war on drugs. He's he, from his very first, just he, he, he started in marijuana, was incarcerated from that incarceration led to a connection he made that led to more deeper in the drug game. And so, you know, I always, I thought that it was it was going to be tough when he got out of there and um so they they i think probably too had a lot of moments where like all right what are we going to do to like get some get get something here that will help us to take this what is a bit chaotic and scattered into some kind of a narrative because you know that's what and that's honestly is the problem with a lot of these things is you got to try to find those narratives, you know? And so where are you going to go? So, okay. So they, they're going to, they got a moment here where they think they're going to get like a, get a gotcha, you know? And they tell, they tell Ben and Kevin that they, that, 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 you, all right. So if we, if we, they like prep them, like, all right, so if we can get to this point in the conversation with George, you guys are going to have to leave the room. So I, so that's where I come in because somehow in there, I had, I knew that there was this shoot where you guys might have to leave the room, right? So, and this is, and this is the thing about, so the whole thing, though, I, I could, I can kind of finish the story by talk, going back to the prison theme a bit, you know, and, you know, prison is this place where identities are lost and found, and new identities are found, you know? And, um, you know, some people, maybe they kind of lose themselves, their sense of self in there. Others kind of find new sense of self. And so, so George, so, you know, so they think they got this gotcha with George. Do you want to tell them, do you want to tell your viewers about what, what it is and how George kind of reacted to it? I remember. Yeah. How it made us leave because they thought George would be embarrassed to tell some prison stories about, you know, potential homosexual stuff. And I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember when we came back, George was like, yeah, something about like, they tried to make me tell them that I'm gay or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but if you read the book Blow, uh, George did have, you know, tendencies to wear women's clothes. And I think he actually went by Georgette at times. And I think they were getting him to admit to doing 
I don't know. I don't really remember exactly what it was, but well, they, they the narrative there, you know, getting gay in prison. You know what I mean? So yeah. potential there. So they went for that avenue, you know. Yeah, and they uh, struck I mean, out, likely, and he's likely. I, I, you know, uh, and, and so all I'm kind of getting, and all Kevin is actually really getting too, is kind of some of the. The side of this of knowing that he's got to exit the room for this one, for this one, the charge. Yeah. yeah, they want that. What? What do you think I was? Did, what, what do you want me to say? I touched a penis. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then later, we're in the room, and he ends up dropping his pants and basically just mooning us, showing us his bullet wounds from the time he had been shot. And I was like, well, that was probably more of what we had to leave the room for <laughs> this 70 year old man i'm dropping the pants and turning around and showing us his his, his bullet wound and they're like oh get a close-up i'm like we're like so, dying laughing so after we get back into the room then he drops his pants for, for everybody yeah but george literally gave zero cares about anything. So we went to Johnny Depp's house to film an interview oh, with Johnny Hold Depp. On. All right, damn it. All right, but that was my final, that was gonna be my final question is you gotta talk about Johnny Depp, you know, so. Okay, we can, we, then we'll, we'll hold off. So people no, talk about him right now. Do it right now. Kevin, this whole thing ends with Kevin meeting Johnny Depp and, and get that, them, this culminates, well, actually it doesn't end there, Never mind. All right, this so then, is, this is right. more of a story about George's personality. Um, the guy, like, he doesn't, he literally does not care. So we're at Johnny Depp's house. But He's wait, over it. Let me just quickly interrupt and say, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the last shoot you end up doing. Wait. Yeah, that was the last. Sure. That was the last time I think I saw George, or maybe I saw him one more time at his apartment in San Diego. I'm not sure, but so now it, we're, it's summer of 2019. Final shoot on this project, and it and guess who? Johnny Depp. Yeah, so dude, we are waiting for Johnny Depp for hours. He is late. George is an older man, and he's out there in the courtyard screaming, "Johnny, like where the f are you? Like hurry up!" And then, so Johnny Depp is in with his like entourage music. He's playing like some Bob Dylan or something. So he strolls in, and as he's coming in, you know, we're all just like, "Whoa, it's, it's Johnny Depp!" And no one really like talks to this guy. And George goes, "Jesus Christ, Johnny, about damn time!" Like. I'm fucking 70 years old. How are you going to make me wait this long? And he just lays into him. Like, and, and Johnny's like, oh, shit. Like, damn. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And then later in the interview, Johnny had a thing where he was like, you know, most people don't, like, yell at me like that. And, like, it totally makes sense that George goes down and meets Pablo Escobar and doesn't even pronounce his name correctly and doesn't even really care. And is like, you know, just like, oh, hey, it's the El Padrino. <laughs> you know, like, 
it's just like who he is. And it's just like, it was just incredible to see him yell at this A-list celebrity who like, if a director had yelled at, he would probably leave the set. And we have George screaming at him. Finally, they're like, all right, let's drink some whiskey. And we're like, no, no, no. But okay. it was crazy to see. You have to balance wanting to get a good, good shot, good shoot with Johnny Depp of all people, but you got to keep George off the liquor the whole time. Yeah, so we did the George stuff real quick, and they then Johnny gives him some, you know, Johnny Walker premium. I don't know the best of the best, but I'm sure it was the best stuff. And they put him in the other room and. Then we go out there and he's just like passed out. But we got amazing stuff with with Johnny and it was a trip to be there and film that and meet him. And he's actually a super nice guy. And all right. He's done a lot for George too. So that was cool to see their friendship. So this I'm glad that I'm doing this with you because this is why I'm here. So but the segue to this whole thing is that now we're all a little gay for Johnny Depp, okay? Right? Even as a as a straight man, he's one of the like sexiest people alive. But George now at this shoot, after kind of blowing them off earlier in trying to like get him to talk about homosexuality, really, after blowing him off when Kevin was told to exit the room, Johnny or George kind of tries to get uh, uh, you know, come on to Johnny a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, they had a special relationship. I can, I don't know what was going on, but they were very close, and we were pretty surprised at how close they were because George ended up staying with Johnny for like a week after that because he kept complaining, oh, "I'm old. I got to get home. I can't believe you made me wait this long." F you, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's cussing him out. He is like laying into the dude. He goes, you know, George, you know, chill out, man. Just, you can stay in my house. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. We need to catch up. And and I think George and Johnny connected so much because George says the first time they met, Johnny Depp brought him a copy of Jack Kerouac's On the Road, which was George's favorite book. And George was like very skeptical of Johnny Depp playing him because he's like, yeah, he's kind of a sissy, you know, he was in Edward Scissorhands and he's this metrosexual male who cuts hair and has scissors for hands. Like that guy's going to play me. Like he was like, it was, it was hilarious what he would say about that. Of course he's going to play you, George. That's perfect for you. Yeah, and then he says he shows up in ripped jeans with the book, and then they just connected, and I mean, and he killed, he crushed it, and that I mean, that's one of the better movies I've, of all time. I mean, for the budget they had, it was a small time thing at the time, and it just it just went huge. Uh, this is why. So back to right. So okay. So maybe when you're seeing George at these events, and people are latching on to him like like kind of groupie-esque you know like he's a rock star or something maybe part of that is from from this movie now but the reason why the movie was so big it's it it isn't just that the the book that the movie was based on it's 
it's the zeitgeist. It's the smoke circle. It's, you know, it's, it's marijuana and maybe a little blow. Like I said, it's those environments, you know, and one of the people out there knows these stories and it, you, that was the lure of the drug world in those days. Wasn't so much the drugs themselves. It's, it's the, all of the, 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 the stories from the underground, you know, the, that, that whole scene. And so in this movie blow they're they're now, they got the one guy who, who's still alive actually, you know, like I said, like some of the other guys from that era weren't, weren't so lucky, you know, and um, George, cause George had his time. You know, I think the guy who got assassinated, Barry, well, you know, he was more or less of a, a snitch. He had, he would, but the George also would, would go, would go on to snitch on his cellmate that kind of got him into the higher level of the drug game. And at some point, you know, all of these, it's this, it's just these, it's the war on drugs, you know, and it's these casualties of the war on drugs and these, and these, these stories make it into the cultural consciousness of, you know, in these underground circles. And that's why blow goes on to be so big, you know, that's why I think, and, and, and yeah, because they killed it too, like you said, and they had a thing, they had a thing, which, uh, so which goes out, it like this, this thing then continues all the way to 2019 and and is witnessed by one Kevin Arnold of the band. <laughs> I know it's a trip, dude. I I'm just always so blessed to have done it. And the thing about George is he always said it wasn't about the money, it wasn't about any of that. It was just the rush of, you know, the rush. He did it for the rush of just he became addicted to the the I mean not the crime but the act of doing the crime in there in the midst of it flying these loads of cocaine he just became addicted to the to the oh, game reaching the top levels of any of anything like that especially a trade that's become you know totally illegal and illicit that just adds the whole other layer but just even the upper echelons of anything in business like that those guys get that that kind of you know, not maybe not so good. Uh, it taps into some not so good things in the human psyche, you know. And I think George is—he really is just a victim of all that. That's this. That's why this story. So I, I have—I kind of have the another like final question that I think everybody, if you if you've been if somebody has been with us this whole time, they're obviously wondering now, Kevin. You know. How how do I watch this movie that you're talking about? So I okay. So to me, like, and these I I know these guys who worked on it. So I mean, now now George is dead, and this is this is the moment most where the curiosity is the highest of what you know what was his life like at the end, and and you have it. You you captured some just beautiful moments you know um some of the you know i just remember kind of seeing you guys fast forwarding through some of the scenes and stuff and and i it was really like you you shot it you know really um cinematically and all that and um 
so the two the two kind of questions is like one all right so you did shoot it really cinematically you it was like beautiful maybe what it turned out to be ended up feeling a little bit more like uh that wasn't the appropriate medium for it that it was like more of a reality tv kind of thing like do you think reality tv would have been a better medium for to show to capture george at the end of his life than than cinematic uh Kevin Arnold able to van life location to location with the whole setup that's like with top level skills. Yeah, I think what had happened is um, George's life was just a roller coaster. And I think the producers and the writers and they, they had this plan, this whole planned out thing to capture this footage and you know, it's really hard to make a documentary on something that's been such an amazing movie. And I think they thought that just getting great shots and telling these stories was going to be enough. But as the project went on, we all kind of had this shift where we were like, dude, like this guy's life is a roller coaster. Like, should we maybe switch more into the reality of just what george is doing and because i think people think maybe he lived this extravagant lifestyle even to the end but i mean george was living in an apartment i think having his rent paid for by the producers and that was like his only income and i think we did in a sense fail to capture just the struggle and the reality of life as a I mean, in and out of the prison system. And I think we could have really capitalized on just what actually happens after prison and just the struggles. It was a struggle. Like, it was a struggle to make this film, and it was a struggle for George every day. And I think we should have in the time focused more on that even all the way through till the end i feel like we should have been filming through till basically two days ago but the project i think the budget was just not there and um george's life was just such a roller coaster like towards the end he was all over the place he was in michigan he was doing weed events he was at strip clubs getting paid to be there every night and then eventually full circle back to Weymouth where he's from. And that was the best place for him to be when he passed away in my opinion, and as well as the whole crew, cause he's back home. And I think that's, I, I really wish we were capturing it through the whole circle of him, you know, just having a really rough time adjusting back to society after having you know hundreds of millions of dollars and then going to prison for 25 years and then i think that would be the more appropriate tone for the project but i think you know it's tough when you're i'm just the videographer i'm not really the writer but it's just tough with yeah, money and, and logistics and to those guys too just a unpredictable subject yeah so, yeah um 
you know, yeah. So the, 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 uh, yeah, that's, that's well stated. Yeah. The, the other thing is that, Mama, you know, this project finishes Mama, in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey there. You guys look great. We got more jammies. Hey, shut that door. <laughs> you guys, uh, so you guys, you finish this project now. You get the coveted. I remember thinking, as you just stated so eloquently, that there's troubling things here. It's it's a difficult project for these guys. I just I just could just sense that from from very from afar, third person. You know that knowing the subject and everything you just said. But they're like they they were they were doing it, you know, and they got it and they had some pros like you working on it that could ban life around. And they, they, in the end, they end up getting Johnny Depp of all people. It's like, it's, it's a great, you know, they, they got it now and it's 2019 and boom, you get Johnny Depp. And now, you know, that's a, that's a done, that's a wrap why why are we here now like in a and a, you know i mean we could talk to the producers about it but i think that they would probably tell us it's just tough once you finish a project but maybe that's what you can get into a bit is like how, how are we here now where people can't just press play on a on a uh, amazon thing and watch this thing right now you know i know i i would love myself to see it and I mean, even at the time, I would have captured George through the through the rest of it. I think the project is making some headway, and I know that there's been some interest as of lately. Um, it's a tricky subject for me because I'm not really involved in that sector. But that's, yes, that's what I mean about. From your experience, so I'll kind of rephrase to wrap us up. From your experience, like how how are like how is it that these things become so difficult that it becomes more of just like you shooting some great video and and audio, obviously um, something probably the viewers aren't getting uh, such so great of either on this stream at the moment. But you know, Kevin. Uh, what you, you 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 capture everything so it's it's like that's not it's not so simple as that though you know and that's what i mean about maybe you could speak to a bit about just how tough it is these days to like um you know see a get get a thing realized all the way to a to a production channel an outlet that you that you can press play on yeah i think the one of the biggest problems that they had is they became so connected to George we all did and we all just like really wanted the best for George and we really wanted this redemption story and after a while me and the, the other videographer we were like this is not redemption guys like this is just like self-destruction and I just think the producers had so much connection with them because, I mean, they just want, we just wanted so much of George to do well. I mean, they just, we just wanted so much of George to do well. I got some weird feedback there. 
Oh, it's gone. And I think I that in the end, they they wanted they wanted it to be a feel good story, and it really wasn't. But and then I think the other thing that happens is there were you know they went in with an idea, and then as we the more we worked with George, we were like, oh my goodness, like there's no way that like the plan is going to happen. And I think at that point we really should have pivoted and we didn't, but well, it's, but, it's still going to be a great project. Yeah. But then you have to try to, that's what I meant about the hard part about doing anything creative in this space is that, you know, you get, you have two, you have your two choices. Either you're going to go for one of the big, seven you know um whatever it may be netflix hbo you know you name you name it those those big ones and i don't know if it's seven specifically but either you're going there or you're just putting it up on youtube and saying hey check out our project you know and so if you're going for the bigger one you end up sitting on it and then george dies on you and now it's kind of like that this is of any time i would want to watch it's it's now you know i'm thinking about the guy and i'm just and it's just he'll for these next few days i think all of us it's just kind of like that that's you know uh, yeah it's just that that's the tough the tough part about it you know i think in the field that you're in and maybe not you specifically but that you you have to you you know you you have you work on these shoots and then hey Maybe it's maybe we all get to watch Kevin's work when George dies, and maybe not. I hope. I will note that very early on, I was very adamant about having a Boston George YouTube channel vlog type thing. As we film the as we film the video, we could have these ongoing George vlogs to to build an audience. <laughs> Good thing you but, didn't do that, or you would have never done this, Van Cooks. Yeah, but then I got to the point where I said, okay, they didn't want to do it. It's not my decision, and it's okay. But then me and Benton had this ongoing joke that, well, okay, fine, don't do it. But now I'm almost motivated to have the Van Cooks channel grow more than the Boston George stuff. And here we are. I mean, we almost have 3 million views on the channel. And I think if we did that with Boston George, it could have been a huge success. Yes. And I think it could have been ongoing, would have been monetizing it, and they would have had more money to stretch the budget out and getting these day getting these monthly vlogs with George. I think people would have really enjoyed it. He's a he's a he's a character, man. Like we enjoyed spending time with him, and I know the world would enjoy have enjoyed spending time with George, you know, through vlogs and just I mean, like when he went and met Tuna, the whole time I was like, dude, this is a YouTube vlog. Like, this is incredible. And it just, I'm not, I'm just a videographer. And hey, what is, just, what's, the, what's the phrase like to the hammer? Everything looks like a nail or whatever. Like, yeah, you're a, you're a YouTube vlogger. Of course you're, you're thinking this would make a good YouTube vlog, you know? But I think like that's why they hired you is actually to like, elevate it beyond that you know and 
like get those like really cinematic shots of of in, in there of uh, of this t- interview with Tina. By the way, I, that yeah that that got that Tuna is another one of these characters from that whole thing that you got to meet through this whole thing. Yeah, there's been there's been some amazing. Kevin's pretty pretty deep in the retired drug world. I think with the YouTube stuff though, I wasn't, I still wanted them to make the documentary. I just thought like with supplemental footage, we could have had ongoing Boston George vlogs. And I think with that, we would have been able to keep, the budget alive i think what eventually happened was we just had a hard time they had a hard time with money which all projects do but that was just an idea i had and it was just a dream and and by the way well you're right obviously because his it turned out to be way more i think better suited for something that's just where there you capture the chaos and there are no narratives like you can't you're not going to find the the narratives in a Boston George story aren't going to lead you to very good places and uh you know um the, the 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 it turns as it turns out who knows i feel like just me getting it second hand from you like god damn i got like a lot of the beauty of the end of his life like you know i got kind of the questions answered for me in my mind of what ended up happening to the legend boston george you know and so it's i know others yeah well um when they do get it together you know and get it out i i know people will will like it a lot but that's the that's the game right now it's the other you won't be seeing it for free here on youtube with like me you know (laughs) best you're close you're gonna get is this this uh thing yeah we we just did off the off the record without without with just kind of doing it but yeah but you eventually i'm sure they they will get a buyer hopefully and it'll get its proper due yeah i think they've had some interest and they just need the right studio to pick it up i mean the footage is amazing the story is there i mean just with the right editor and you know storytellers and writers i mean we captured interviews from the guy who wrote the book the de agents that arrested him tuna um so many people that I can't think of off the top of my mind, but we, well, we traveled. His, not his daughter, of course, because we know what happened there. They weren't able to ever patch that up. That's the end of Blow. But his his more or less daughter-in-law, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his relationships. I remember some of that being actually pretty funny. Like, No, there were, there's great stuff. And... The stories that George told to us alone could just be a video on its own. I mean, they're incredible. I mean, the guy. Give us a good one. Give us a quickie that's a good one right now. Okay, so this was one that I'm always amazed. And like, so George, he's he's just he lit. He's just a. I don't know what the term is, but 
he's starting off in his early days as a marijuana drug smuggler. And they figure that they can fly planes to uh, get the drugs over, but no one really knew how to fly planes. So George takes some flying lessons, never really becomes a great pilot by any means. And then they just go to the airport and they just take these planes, they're not locked up, fly them to Mexico. I mean, that is like so ballsy alone. With zero navigation skills, they get there, load the plane up with marijuana, then they fly it back to Death Valley. And if anyone's been to Death Valley, I mean, there's a lot of dry lake beds. So they had the plan, Tuna was gonna meet him in the dry lake bed. And as George is in the air, he's like, oh shit like there's so many dry lake beds because there's just mountains and flat and mountains and flat and he says that he almost died he said he almost ran out of gas he was flying around desperate and at the last i mean within the last seconds or minutes he sees tuna's lights on the rv like flashing and he says he basically like crash landed down to the dry lake bed. And I mean, that is so ballsy. Like no one would do that. Like I would never do that. Just to think, yeah, I took a few flying lessons. Let's just go down in uh, to Puerto Vallarta, grab some Acapulco gold, load it up <laughs> and fly it to Death Valley with zero navigating skills. I mean, dude, that's, that's the stuff of influencer legends, dude. That's David Lesh. Right. Playing in the Pacific after that. I mean, if anything, a lesson is, you know. Death Valley. I can't, of all places, to do something like that. Like, you just talk about, like, the one that's, yeah, that just sounds like the most remote, you know. But, yeah, we took George in a plane. Oh, have another story about flying too, George? Um, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of stuff. I mean, let me think of I another thought he had one. To land on, I thought he had to land on a highway or something one time. Oh yeah, that's a good one. So they're in, they're, they got the plane loaded up. Some something has happened they need to land a plane or some type you know these guys didn't do any logistics so they're just like throw the weed in the plane and let's just get it something had happened and george's they got to land this plane and they're in mexico somewhere and george says that he's there he parks the rv he stops the traffic and he literally says it as you know these families they look like the griswolds <laughs> they see me pull out a chainsaw and I just start lopping down the power lines just <laughs> all along the road so the wings can clear without clipping the power lines. He chops them all down with the chainsaw and then they get the load or they did whatever they did and then they went into the town. I can't think of what town it was, maybe Mazatlan or something. And they said they go into the town and the entire grid is like off. There's no power. And he says, you know, we didn't care. We sat at this bar and drank Coco Locos till the sun came up. 
<laughs> while the Mexican energy company is rebuilding these power lines that you just chop down. I mean, and that is like so dangerous. You, you oh, can so easily God. die chopping down a power line, you know, it could go wrong so many ways. Jesus. Wow. But the book Blow by uh, Bruce Porter is a really good book. If anyone out there is a fan of George and they haven't read that book, it's it's got a lot of great stories in there. And it's a lot of stuff that the movie doesn't touch on. And I really enjoyed that book. Hey, you young kid, Van Kookers, uh, Van Lifers, I mean, you young kooks, the young kids that might be listening, take this into your smoke circles. Keep the legend of George alive the way he was for us before these movies. Yeah, I mean, it was a wild trip. I mean, we just got to spend time with the guy. I couldn't imagine living his life. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, RIP, man. And sad the way he went yeah not the not the uh not the nice clean narrative that is going to fit well into into many stories and not the uh and not the way we wanted to see him go but yeah what a legend george yeah the the uh yeah the the last thing did he yeah i guess i guess well did did he um did, so you have some videos of him? Didn't he do something with with you? Do you have something that you could with your your um you know, can you put up put up a link in the chat of uh of, Oh yeah. of that thing you did with him, remember? So we, you know, er, early on we got a we did a little vlog with and George was in it and you know, those other van lifers out there they're People are watching some crazy van life content these days, but if you guys want to see something, something pretty funny. So I checked the link in the description and also, or in the chat, and also the Boston George docu-series trailer is uh, is really good. I mean, it's going to be a, a great, a great documentary when it comes out. I mean, post-production and all that stuff, that's beyond my skill set. That's and amazing. Focus is super crisp on everything. Slow mo, yeah. George. There, you guys gave it. You have some, like he's kind of the outlaw, and damn, you captured some of that with just you kept like little close-ups of him, you know, putting out the cigarette out there outside, and yeah, I'll do the, I'll say the bragging about the shot, so you don't have to, but like, yeah, it is. <laughs> They did capture like the outlaw charge. They have some stuff. That's that's another thing too. Yeah, when you're wondering where to go with the project, you know, there's plenty of stuff of him as narrate as like direct narrator looking right at the camera, being like, uh, uh, "People <laughs> might want you to go one way." I say, "Fuck that." <laughs> yeah. And there's like you have like yeah some some yeah you you just you get a lot of you did get a lot of George and you captured him as as an outlaw you know and um boy yeah i i know i hope people are able to see it soon and yeah you can yeah exactly get put the put the links up for sure yeah no it when the right people pick it up it's going to be a great project and i think now there's going to be more 
movement on it. So I threw some links in there. The second one is the trailer for the documentary as far as what we had shot as a film crew. Um, and yeah, once the right post-production company picks it up, I think it's going to be an amazing project. And I know the entire crew put a lot of work into it and we just, we just want to see it succeed for George. He put a lot of work into it. We dragged that guy around everywhere. He couldn't smoke on the plane. He would get so mad the second we landed. <laughs> I tore like the just chain smoking cigarettes. Uh, that, that's a, that's true. Like you guys really did. Like he was, like yeah, he did want. He was he believed in it too. So that was another thing. Yeah, yeah. So, well, dude, the last thing I wanted to, very last thing I wanted to say, Kevin, is that. Um, what a what an honor to be on your um this Van Kooks episode that gets that where we get such so much of of the other Kevin you know the personal life of Kevin outside of being a kook <laughs> so like yeah happy to uh, happy I was able to like you know talk some Boston George with you and get get the viewers to be able to get a side of you that maybe they didn't have. And also, um, yeah, kind of have that, that, uh, cathartic moment of, you know, remembering Boston George and that, and that era, you know, it was just, yeah, that, that, that's, it's just, that's the end of a, it's the end of a era right there. RIP. Yeah. It was a pleasure to, know him and the whole crew that we worked with but also with that being said i'd love to uh when we start ramping stuff up again with the van Kooks, um podcast and lives i'd love to get you back on and uh talk about your oh no 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 i'm just gonna say your other oh, stuff when no. you're ready no 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 not now but projects. All my stuff is too secretive at this point. I know, but when it's ready, I think a lot of van lifers need to uh, know about your secret <laughs> project when it's time. You'll, okay, so what they'll your really dedicated viewers will pick it up in the new in the new words Kevin uses in his broadcast after he's been hanging out with me and <laughs> resort towns across the West. Yeah. It has a lot to do with uh, why we chose Indy Pass Resorts because, you know. Yes. yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The term is Disneyfication. Well, that's the only thing we're going to say about, about the project. Yeah, but George, or, uh, John's got some exciting stuff. And, John, I guess you can let the viewers know where to find more yeah. about you. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want. Um, you know, the latest in town council meetings from Avon or, uh, you know, the um, the accident that shut down ISEP. Oh, you probably, yeah. So for that, for the stuff that I do that van lifers will appreciate for real is actually I-70 stuff. Like I do a lot of writing about that corridor and, uh, you know, Daddy Trump, Donald Trump, <laughs> uh, <laughs> tweeted about it <laughs> and, oh wow yeah 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 last year and because actually there was like 
some bipartisan consensus that like more money needs to be go into like widening it in there, but then you can't just widen. You have to have proper wildlife access because you it's 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 a slaughter zone. You're it, or to the point where ecosystems start to get affected because the animals just don't cross at all anymore, so they don't migrate as much as they should. And so that is interesting stuff that. I cover that van lifers might be interested in is some of that transportation corridor stuff. So I'll, uh, next time I have a good story about, about, uh, Trump tweeting about beautiful boaters taking their, uh, you know, their beautiful boater coverage does overlap with van lifer coverage just a little bit. So we'll talk about some of that sometime. Well, sweet. Well, thanks for being on and, I'm glad I could finally catch up. It's been a while. Dude, yeah, Kevin, like Kevin, uh, I Kevin and I have known each other for, you know, more than 10 years and uh I've got I've got a chance to watch him grow this channel a little bit and um uh, I'm glad that you the viewer sees in Kevin what I've always seen which is a fun guy to follow along on some of these adventures. Kevin's like a really um he kind of plays it chill but he's like actually really good at all of this kind of stuff like we just talked about with the videography you wouldn't really know it but he's like he's actually really good at this stuff it, it makes it look easy so yeah thanks thanks for having me well, on Kevin. yeah well thanks and uh for all the viewers that are still there uh john throws a uh, mean backflip on the snowboard and he's a he's a talented guy and he's got some funny stuff so i highly recommend uh, reading his articles. I really enjoyed the one about the uh, wolves. I thought that was pretty interesting, the Colorado stuff. But thanks for coming on. And if you want to hang out, I'll catch up here in a second. I'm just going to do a quick sign off. I don't want to hang out anymore. I got to go. I got the, the kid already yeah. in the room at once. That's all good. Well, um, well, dude, this was this was cool. And like, it was nice to talk about Boston, George, and get a lot of that stuff out that was kind of in my head thinking about anyways and and yeah it's nice to talk to you about it kevin and you you have been the guy who's you know who's helping kind of keep keep him alive so yeah sweet well thanks for uh joining and all right i'll catch up soon all right adios later all right, you kooks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I saw a few of you stuck around the whole time. And we also have this all go live to our podcast. Uh, the podcast is Three Lefts Make a Right, and it's available on all podcast platforms. So if you could check that out, and if you could like and subscribe to the channel. And more, we got an exciting project coming up here in the next few weeks. Uh, more DIY. Uh, we have been on a hiatus lately, but thank you so much. Thanks to John and uh, just uh, everyone out there. Just send condolences to George and his family and everyone. Um, I know it was a sad day. We lost a uh, we lost uh, one of America's uh, uh, true outlaws and a great guy. And yeah thanks guys and i will be back and i promise danny will be back i know she's been uh gone she's uh studying her uh integrative nutrition so i've just kind of been on the channel on myself but we will bring her back 
So thanks everyone who stuck around. I really appreciate it. And I will see you guys very soon. All right, you kooks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Uh, It's a big help if you guys can give us a podcast review and give us a thumbs up. Also, uh, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Van Kooks channel on YouTube and catch these podcasts live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you next week for another Three Lefts Make a Right podcast. Oh yeah, adventure before dementia. Don't forget.